Hey, and welcome to another podcast. This is Carlos, and I'm with Brian again. Hey, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Today's topic, a subject matter, has to do with aggression and also dominance. And the reason I think those two go together is because sometimes they're often confused. So we want to tackle this and uh, bring some clarity because we know uh, from experience that we hear this a lot, right, Brian, from our clients and other people that we know. Yeah, I would say easily close to 90% of the people who call in the first time are using the word aggression. And most of the time they, uh, they mean either dominance or, uh, or anxiety. Uh, but, uh, but aggression is, is pretty, pretty rare we've found. And something, I mean, I know this is, it, it can be confusing and controversial, but I think we can break it down and make it very simple so that people can come to terms of what it actually is. But let me um, add this story that I saw that got me thinking about the word aggression and how we overuse it. Uh, it has nothing to do with dogs, but I was watching a show on TV. It's like a dating show. And uh, the couple goes in. It's called Temptation Island. So then they see if they can be tempted out of the relationship. So anyway, at one point, the host brings a group of men and uh, the women that are there with their dates take look them over and choose who they want to pick. Anyway, this one lady looked at the group of men, eligible men, and said, uh, well, I'm not impressed. And so fast forward, they get to the social gathering moment. One of the men come up to her and goes, hey, why are you here if you're not impressed with us? And immediately she used the word aggression. She goes, wow, dude, you're coming across aggressive. And I was like, man, I was like, man, is it just across the board? We're just overusing that word and labeling everything to be aggressive to like remove ourselves from accountability. That's kind of where I'm, where I'm at right now. Yes, that, that's exactly what's happening. So this is what I wrote because I, if you recall, I wrote, uh, uh, about 1700 words about dominance and aggression. And part of the reason it's important to clear this up is because when you start labeling a dog aggressive, other people will also jump on that bandwagon because they don't want to have anything to do with that, right? And understandably so. If a dog is truly aggressive, we don't want to um, take that risk, especially with kids and all that. So nobody wants to be bitten and attacked, right? But when you use that word and it doesn't apply, now you're uh, – Basically, what I write is you kind of make a death sentence. You kind of create a death sentence for that dog because it's very, 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 very few people who might take that on. Right? Well, and even even not that not that extreme a case, um, you're you're really damaging your relationship with your dog if you're seeing your dog as aggressive and he's not. You know, so so you put emotions into into something, you become fearful of your dog, or you become angry at your dog, or frustrated at your dog, and you know it's tough to recover from that. So yeah, calling calling a non-aggressive dog, especially when it's your own aggressive, that's um, that's tough to recover from. How do you recover from it? Like the people that call you, that call us, do you have a recent uh, case that you recall that remember and can uh, can give us an example of of why someone would basically label their dog that way 
Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I just worked with the uh, the puppy the other day that I uh, I told you <laughs> I told you he bit the crap out of my fingers when I was trying to and, and let's make this pick him, let's pick make this it was like a three pound dog or something. <laughs> oh yeah, he was he was maybe eight pounds and he was twelve weeks old. Um, nice. Yeah. So so you know no no aggression in this dog at all. But but um, first I want to go back and and let's try to define dominance and aggression for uh, for our listeners here. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and I I went looked him up on. I think dictionary.com or something. And uh, for dominance, it has five different definitions. Um, first one, rule, control, authority, ascendancy. Second one, the condition of being dominant. That's useless. Uh, third is psychology or like psychological definition. The sure. disposition of an individual to assert control in dealing with others. And that's kind of the most reasonable in my mind. And then they actually have four specific to animal behavior. Hmm. High status in a social group usually acquired as the result of aggression that involves the tendency to take priority and access to limited resources as food, mates, or space. But but dictionary.com uses the def uh, uses a, the word aggression in the definition of dominance. So even even they've got it flawed when well, it comes to to animal behavior. And let me just stop you there because I have also another definition I used. I think it was Merriam-Webster. Aggression, forcefulness, the act of attacking usually without provocation, hostile or violent behavior. So now we can get we can see why people are mixing the two now. Right. Because it's almost like even the dictionary is starting to change or or is open up is opening up what it means and people are like, Well, if dominance means aggression, then aggression is dominance. Yeah, if if the if the if an online dictionary has animal behavior an animal behavior definition of dominance as a subsection of that of that word, yeah, then then clearly things are changing because that wouldn't have been in there ten ten years ago or or so. Yeah, um, which is which is fine, you know. Society evolves and everything, but dogs aren't evolving. You know, they're they're working the same the same way they have been for a very very long time. So we can't allow our words and our thoughts to to change on how we deal with our dogs or even how we label our dogs to ourselves so it, it's important for for our listeners to be to be pretty clear on the difference between aggression and and dominance and i think the one of the, the first things that comes to mind is a dominance is simply control you know and and the analogy that i give to to the clients that i work with is if you're zipping down the highway you know 75 80 miles an hour and the blue lights come on behind you state trooper he's you know, he's uh, signaling to pull you over. If you pull over, you have submitted to his dominance. He didn't, you know, throw a giant chain around your car and pull you to the side. He didn't bang you over to the side of the road. Yeah. He put his lights on and you submitted to his dominance. That, you know, that's that's control. It's just how um, how we should be with uh, with our dogs because that's how they are with each other's now aggression you know if he if he hits you if he if he you know fires a shot at you or something else that's that unprovoked right yeah well yes yes certainly but um uh you know dominance in in my definition it's simply control and there's no emotion to it whereas aggression is using um using force to get a, to get a result, but there, but there easily can be emotion in that, and certainly for people there is. Okay, so let's use an example here. Um, I'll take this first. I'll take, I'll take aggression and what I think two dogs 
being aggressive looks like, and then I'll hand it over to you, and you tell me what two dogs dominant or one dominant over the other one looks like, so that people sure. can get a we can illustrate as much as we can with words. Obviously, this is a not, not a visual medium, but people can get get down to what we see as aggression versus dominance uh, based on our experience. Okay, so I'll take aggression. Okay, true aggression for me can be true aggression towards another dog, so dog on dog, or it could be, unfortunately, dog towards human aggression. So that works both ways. But what it looks like dog on dog is basically in a situation, they're very rare. A good and easy example is like dog fighting, right? Dog fighting is illegal, but uh, there has to be said that in some breeds, there was a tradition of that, right? So those dogs were bred to fight, okay? To aggress. To aggress, right? And so that's true aggression, which is basically, hey, we're going to choose uh, fight over flight because we have this insurmountable intensity about us, whether it's they've been starved, whether they're just been trained you can actually condition a dog um, to access that part of their uh, of their being if you will and or they fear for their life and they feel like the only way they can survive is to kill and by attacking either the person or the dog that's true aggression so two dogs being aggressive is fighting to the death right a dog being aggressive truly aggressive towards a person is trying to take them down and kill them right so, or, or very, 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 uh, uh, or make, make them basically, uh, incapacitated. Yeah, incapacitated. And that's what it looks like to me. And which is very, very rare. Sometimes, unfortunately, we do hear these things in the news. But it's, it's, again, it's not dominant and it's not a prevailing thing that most dog owners have to go with. Good. Right. Exactly. And, and I think it's important to, to point out that Although we do hear about it in the news, you know, Carlos is, is accurate in stating that it's very, very rare. You hear, you know, uh, what, a dozen, maybe two dozen, maybe three dozen stories about it in a year and think about how many dogs are uh, owned by people in America alone during the year. And so the, 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 the ratio is very, very low. So it is it is really rare that uh, uh, that true dog aggression does does exist. Um, so, sorry, I just wanted to, wanted yeah, to yeah, put absolutely. that in there, Carlos. Absolutely. And so, Dominus, Brian, what, is, what does it look like to you as a dog influencer, behaviorist, uh, you know, a person that goes out? What does it truly look like when two dogs meet each other? What's dominance? What can it look like? Well, I, you know, one of the best examples that I remember was my uh, my old old German Shepherd Morgan, who, you know, he's in the video that uh, that you you um, gratefully filmed for filmed for the uh, the company um, years ago when we went to uh, the the Prince William Animal Shelter to uh, to evaluate him, and I remember there was uh, there was this one dog, and we'll talk about this dog in a later podcast named named Diesel, and he he thought he was kind of a kind of a badass, um, and and Carlos brought Diesel to my house. We wanted to wanted to work with him, and Diesel didn't like being touched, he didn't like being handled, didn't like to have his collar put on, taken off, that kind of thing. So we were trying to figure out what he was about, and I remember sitting in a chair in the back of in my backyard. I think all of us were there and we were in different parts of the yard yeah and uh we're just sitting there relaxing watching the other dogs you know move around and interact and diesel started walking towards me he was making a beeline towards me he was coming towards me with purpose 
And Morgan, my German Shepherd, he just got up from my right side, circled around behind me, and stood on my left side and didn't even face Diesel. He was just standing sideways to him, and Diesel just moved off. Morgan just stood there with enough energy, with enough dominance to project to Diesel, don't even think about it. And so Diesel just accepted that, submitted, and then and then moved off. So yeah, it was pretty subtle, and I know a lot of people might not have might not have recognized that, but that's one of those things where you know dominance can just be you know simple energy and, and body language is a, is a is a display, a nonverbal display of I'm in charge of what's going on right now, and you need to submit, move away, whatever. And that's exactly what uh, what happened there. And that was a good positive way for the dog to use dominance. And that's that's very uh, very inspiring and uh, very uh, awesome to hear. I don't remember, I don't I don't recall myself, but but yeah, I, you were you were there. You might have been in, inside the house, or maybe you you were off nearby. But I thought I thought that was the coolest thing, and I I would not have have recognized it that Diesel was coming to to you know make some sort of statement to me that he wanted to try and try and mess with me or challenge me until I had seen Morgan do that. I was like, oh, wow, Morgan stepped in because he felt the need to, uh, to challenge this dog in return. Um, so, and, and that's, that's the dog on dog example, but really the dog, the dog and human example is, is the same thing is, you know, a lot of, a lot of our clients say, well, you know, my, my dog is learning how to sit. He's learning how to, how to stay, you know, and I correct them and say, well, your dog already knows how to sit. They pretty much know how to do that when they're, when they're born. It's just you're teaching them to sit on a verbal command versus instead of using dominance, which is just walking up to your dog with dominant energy and communicating to him, I want more submissive posture from you. And he should, he should sit on command or he should move away, but either way, he's, he is showing submission to your dominant energy, your dominant posture. So it can, it can be that that simple. And, and when it, when I hear you say it, it doesn't sound like like aggression at all. It doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal. So then, so what, what happens when people call you and say my dog is dominant? How do you, how do you go about addressing that? And then if you want, I'll take over and go about um, addressing uh, aggression. How to deal with that? Well, they, they, and that's funny that that you that you ask the question that way because there's there's two different things that go on there. It's one most people don't call up and use the word dominant; they use the word ag- aggressive. Yeah. If if they do say dominant, what they mean is my dog is aggressive towards other dogs, but I'm embarrassed to say that, so I'm going to use the word dominant. He's dominant to other to other dogs. But okay. typically, like I said, people call up, say the dog is aggressive. I'll talk a little bit with them and find out, no, it doesn't sound like it's that. It sounds like it's more dominance or or maybe it's fear that they're uh, they're reacting to um, you know something someone working with them making them feel insecure or something something like that. But uh um, but usually if someone's calling, uh, calling for, for that type of issue, um, I'm gonna, gonna correct them and say, no, it's, it's actually, it's actually, um, not aggression and it may not even be dominance in, in that instance. But there are plenty of cases where, 
after a little bit of talking or getting to know the people or meeting with them, we see that, yeah, their dog is trying to, to dominate the people. And that's where, you know, we do a lot of our coaching is with the people and telling them, no, you have to be the dominant one in the relationship. And so we really just focus on teaching the people how to be leaders to their dogs. And and I just thought of something, too. We have a another podcast that has to do with physical touch. How much can you talk about that and tie it into fixing dominance or being the dominant one or removing dominance using physical touch because I felt like it was always important that people understand that dominance is not a bad thing, but you don't want to let it run rampant, and this is how you resolve it. And I usually touch, uh, begin with the physical uh, intervention. It's not yeah, and, that, and, that, when that, and that's interesting because that's um, – I'm actually going to throw that back to you in a, in a second here, but that's one of the things that uh, that I've been trying to, trying to refine um, – when I'm when I'm working with clients is is to tell them that you know our relationships with dogs because their relationships with each other are about essentially energy body language sound and touch in that order and so the example I gave a minute ago about Morgan dominating that that dog Diesel and moving him off that was energy and body language right. Morgan didn't have to make a sound you know he didn't have to bark he didn't have to growl he didn't right. have to even curl his lip. Um, and he certainly didn't have to didn't have to use any physical touch with the uh, um, with with the dog. So diesel, yeah, yeah. So so there, there's there's a lot of different ways that uh, the dominant dominance can manifest itself, but it certainly starts with with energy, which you know it's aura, it's you know your intention, however you want however you want to word it, but you have to you have to mean what you're what you what you're thinking you have to mean i am paying attention to my dog right now he has my full attention i am dedicated right now in this moment to working this problem with him not be distracted by your phone or texting or the kids or or tv or whatever um and then and then your body language will reflect what your intention is if you're kind of doing it half-hearted that's what your body language is going to express and your dog is going to is going to um, read and sense that from you and decide whether to to you know challenge you or or to pay attention to you um you know and and more so than you i use a lot i use a lot of sound when working with dogs because i can use it from a from a distance and for me um i'm pretty effective with it so i'll start with a with a sharp sound whether i'm snapping my fingers or i'll make an uh sound like that um and i think i'm better with I'm more effective with that in a lot of cases than I am with touch. And we've talked about this a lot over the years. I've seen you, you know, touch dogs, and sometimes it's sharp and sometimes it's not so sharp, but there's something about you, and, you know, this may be true for a lot of people out there, but maybe not. There's something about the way Carlos can can physically touch a dog in a way where they know that he means business and that's the end of it and he gets results instantly. It's very cool to see. So I'd, I'd rather you talk about the, the physical touch corrections because sure. you're, you're better at it. <clears throat> oh, thank you for that. Yeah. And I know, I know you're, I know you're very humble about that. <laughs> you, you, you really know how to do it expertly. Well, I, well, I appreciate you. This is perfect timing because I was reading something that I wrote and I think it applies here perfectly. I don't know what this quote unquote secret is, but I do know um, some basic things, and I, I uh, when I'm dealing with a dog that I want to get results, especially if I'm dealing with a client that are paying me money, I want to get to the root of the problem. I don't want to say quickly as like I'm rushing, but as as precisely as possible. I always remain alert. Okay, that's number one. I always remain alert, which means what? Which means I'm not distracted. Right. Yeah, they may, the client, the owner, other people may be saying something to me, 
but I'm remaining alert, which means that I'm paying attention to the bo- the dog's body language, uh, the tension that they may be um, like, uh, putting on the leash, anything, any little thing that they're putting off, I am locked in on. Right. Okay? Their tail, their ears, their breathing. The breathing. Their, their, their uh, body uh, uh, posture, everything. So number one is I'm alert. And the other thing that's really tough to explain is is I'm pretty much fearless. So which means yeah. which means I feel prepared. So I'm alert and I fear and I'm fearless in the sense that I feel prepared for whatever's coming. So I guess you can say that I'm confident, but more more than confident, I'm fearless. And a lot of it is is maybe because of my background. Okay, I've seen a lot of dogs that have suffered at the hands of irresponsible people, people that maybe were ignorant, and the dog is just super fearful and scared and needs guidance. And so I've always felt like it was my calling to go in there and fill that void. I'm going to be super confident, super secure, and alert when a dog is is uh, troublesome, is exhibiting dominance or um, some kind of unwanted behavior. So th- those are the two things that I can I can say for sure. But also, if I'm going to physically touch a dog, it will be sharp at first. And then my goal is to work backwards, meaning I want to be sharp, use a sound like Brian does. And then eventually when the dog realizes I mean business, eventually all I got to do is use the sound. And it's very, very, right. very, very little involved. But it's important that people remain alert and fearless, as I guess is the point I would get across. Yeah, and that's a, that's a tough thing to, to get people to, uh, to realize about themselves and, and then to practice. And, and you know, the, the, the joke that I have with a lot of my clients is the nicer the person is, the harder it is for them to, to express leadership to a dog. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it's you know, work, work with some really nice people and, you know, they'd never, they'd never uh, hurt a fly. They'd never insult a person. I'm like, well, you have to express some sort of dominance, some sort of authority, some sort of drill sergeant, you know, attitude in order for your, uh, for your dog to understand that you are actually above them. You're superior to them in, in rank and that you, and that you mean business. And that's a tough thing to, uh, to get people to, but, to realize. But can I, sorry to cut you off. I just, yeah. before I forget, but how many of, of those same people have professions that are very, very high risk, whether they're uh, military or they're police officers, they're doctors, they're pilots, they're professionals that have in some way accepted a certain amount of of risk, bodily harm or otherwise that can come to them while they're doing their job. But they find a way to accept that and move on and be confident. And for the most part, uh, from what we can tell, they're professional, they're stable people. They get the job done. Right. They're successful. Why can't they use that and transfer it over, right? So. Well, I think, and, and that's a good point, because this is, this is something else that we do that I think a lot of people in this, in this line of work don't do, is we get to know the people, the family, the lifestyle, the dynamics in the household, not just the dog. We're not there to just train the dog. We're there to, to read the people, to evaluate what's going on in the household with the dog. Um, who is who? What do they do? You know, what are they, what are they like? Um, and, and certainly in this case, what is their job? And so if I, if I get a sense that I'm, you know, not following this person's frame of, frame of mind or their, or their thoughts, I'll, I'll ask them what they, what they do for a living and in, in, you know, probably a good 
10, 15% of our, of our clients, we do get people who are law enforcement, you know, on the, on the street or who have been in the military or who are in the military. And oftentimes, especially if it's, um, if it's a man, oftentimes when they get home, they just want to switch off and they don't want to be, you know, the man in charge. They don't want to have that drill sergeant attitude. You know, they don't want to be bossing people around anymore. They just want to come home and, and love on their dog. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, the, in that in that standpoint, then we'll just we'll just tell clients, oh, just tap into that that military, that dominant, that authoritative side that you have at work. Bring some of that back with your relationship with your with your dog, and then you can soften as the dog understands that you are in charge of him 100 percent of the of the time. And you know, sometimes we even we even see families, the the parents with uh, with their kids, and maybe they're being way too soft. And you know, so we we have to we may bring that up, or maybe they're being nice and firm with their with their kids and really in charge of their kids and raising their kids um, to be. Uh, submissive and, and, and respectful. And so, you know, we'll say, well, you're doing it with your kids. So just do that same thing with your dogs and don't think of your dog as this fluffy animal who just needs, needs love and nothing else that you pick it up all the time. And, and you only, you know, you're just smothering it with, with affection, yeah, but that a, you're trying to it's like raise. A, it's like a baby, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That don't treat it like a baby. Treat it like, you know, this creature that, um, that, can develop into into something, but also has teeth, so needs to understand uh, boundaries, and you're the one who needs to needs to teach them. Yeah, well, and that's a good point. Like I, I've just recently become a cat person, and and after so many years, I'm 36 now. I think I've just recently acquired, you know, gotten to liking a cat in the last uh, two to three years. But I guess my point is, I can see if you have a if you're coming from uh, being an owner of a cat. And then you want to quote unquote upgrade <laughs> and get a dog, and you're maybe thinking, oh, it's just like a cat. You feed it, you pet it, and you leave it in the house. You come home, it should be. Do you know what I mean? So people maybe come from that background, but that's that's not okay at all. No, not with not with most dogs. There are there are some dogs like that that are that easy to work with. But oh man, that'd be awesome. Most. That'd be awesome if you can breed that, right? So. So there are some breeds that are easier, but man, it's not a cat, people. It's as much as you want it to be. They, you know, I know some cats get along with dogs and they act like dogs. Some cats act like dogs. Some dogs act like cats, but it's not. It's not. And so, and so really getting, getting the mindset of this is a, a dog, a canine animal, uh, that's basically a predator that, that needs to live in a social hierarchy with some order, which is where the dominance and the control comes from. Right. And it needs to have the proper boundaries um, so that you have a lifelong, or at least for the longevity of, of the dog, a nice, stable, and healthy and peaceful environment. Yeah, that, that you that you end up that you're working towards a calm, submissive and respectful companion for you. Yeah. And then you know, once you do that, like Carlos had had mentioned earlier, when you. Lay, you know, when you lay out the, 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 the structure, the foundation, the, the rules, the boundaries, limitations, all that stuff first, then once the dog starts to show that it understands what you, what you want from it, then you can start to give it, uh, to give it more freedom. Just like when your, you know, your child first gets his license, you don't give him the keys to the Mercedes, you give him the keys to the old, you know, the old Chevette in the driveway. So he yeah. can work his way up, you know, through, through trust and respect. To uh, to get uh, to the to the Mercedes. In my case, it was a Chevy Chevrolet Cavalier. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it was like four. But anyway, 
But but that's very true. But okay, so listen, you notice Brian that I'm ign- uh, ignoring and avoiding the aggression. <laughs> I'm trying to kill time, and that's my turn to talk about aggression, how to deal with it. But I'm trying to. I'm just thinking, thinking if you were noticing how I was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought you were just letting me let oh. me run since I well, have some other things I want to get here. We usually like to keep these things under thirty minutes, but this is such a big topic, we may go over a little bit. So, but I will say this: uh, now is a good time to make a mental note. If you haven't heard the podcast about picking a dog and physical touch, um, listen to those. If you've, if you if you've already listened to those and are listening to this, this will make a lot more sense. Uh, about why it's so important to know what kind of dog you're picking and the right reasons so that you don't treat your dog like a baby and then you find it hard to assert your leadership boundary setting guidance because you're feeling bad all the time, right? So listen to that. As far as physical touch, that's a whole other thing. Listen to that portion as well so you can see why it's important to handle your dog. Some dogs become uh, dominant and can become aggressive even because we don't touch them, which is weird, right? We usually think of people being cruel, Kicking, being violent towards their dogs, and then their dogs distrust humans, and that's how they become uh, unhealthy. But that's not always the case. So anyway, listen to those two podcasts. Uh, the sub, the topic and the title should be uh, self-explanatory. But as far as, and to wrap this up, as far as aggression, uh, just call Brian. <laughs> 703 489 right now. Brian will take all the bites necessary he'll he'll show up and, and be fresh right yeah <laughs> but but seriously aggression is very scary even for us right but if you do have to deal with a true true aggression which, which we just went over please 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 call a professional right have somebody do an assessment like like us i think we know we're biased obviously i think we're the best because we actually put ourselves out there and we've seen what it really is and not just read about it we've seen what it really is so if you are truly dealing with aggression uh call a professional as they say um, or otherwise, uh, tackle the situation with as much precaution as possible. Dog muzzle, that sort of thing. But I'd recommend watching, for example, Caesar Milan is really good about dealing with aggression early on in his dog whisperer shows. Now he's gotten kind of PC, but you kind of get an idea of what true aggression may look like and how to kind of tackle it if you want to learn to Bring down the aggression, which is possible for sure. Bring it down to submission so you can have control and trust. But true aggression, again, is very rare. So if you are dealing with it, call a professional. If you want to tackle the problem yourself, be safe. So that's pretty much what I wanted to cover because it's hard for me to break down what exactly to do. All right. Yeah, I, I I agree. That's that's not something you know. I'll, I'll do a lot of a uh, lot of phone consults for for a lot of different issues. But if it's if it's true aggression, I'm going to tell someone no. I need to come out and and uh, and work with you and your dog and see what this is like. But you know, one of the one of the first things that I'll I'll do when I think I'm dealing with a dog with aggression is when they clients answer the door. I've got a tennis racket with the with the head pointed down, and and I picked up this this from uh, from Caesar Milan. It's a, it's a great technique. Is to use the the tennis racket to block the dog from being able to put his teeth on you. And one of the things that I think is so so great about this technique is number one, it gives you some distance between you and the dog, and also 
nine times out of ten when I've used it, most dogs, when they touch their nose or their teeth to the strings of that tennis racket, it's so foreign to them, it kind of throws them off. And so you can see right off the bat how intense this dog is, whether he really means it. And a dog who is going to keep going after the tennis racket or keep trying to trying to dodge the tennis racket and move around to to get you or is going to maintain his intensity of barking or snapping if the dog won't let up yeah that's definitely true aggression but oftentimes these guys they're triggered by something usually they're triggered by fear or anxiety it might be a new person it might be a stray dog was used to being outside and now he's been thrown into a into a new home and he's inside all the time or he's not getting exercised enough or he's not being handled enough or hasn't been socialized with people or with dogs enough you know it's a it's a long list of things that that trigger these kinds of behaviors but yet true aggression it's it basically they they don't they don't stop they'll just keep going and going and try and trying you know to get different different avenues so that they can sink their teeth into into something to as carlos said earlier to try and eliminate or try and at least uh at least injure so if you think you're dealing with something like that go ahead and 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 give us a call um and and you know sometimes you can just tell by the uh by the by the bark as well when you hear certain barks you know that's just an alert bark and they don't mean anything when you hear other other barks you you can tell that yeah there's there's a lot of power behind that bark you know sometimes you'll see a lot of a lot of spittle or some snarling in between the in between the barks and a lot of and a lot of teeth and so sometimes the bark tells you that there you know there may be a actual aggression behind that as well yeah absolutely all good information and and again this is what i mean and that's a little bit of self promoting but how many people can say they've gone out there with a tool and tested it and actually have been attacked and still finished the job, right? How many sure. people can, you know, people will talk about it. I've had countless books come my way and I read and I and sometimes I'll cheat. I'll go to the section, uh, where they attempt to talk about aggression and they will say basic things like, Hey, be careful and Consult a professional, and they, but but they, they rarely get into what it sh- what it actually looks like and what it's not. And I think this is important for people. I think it's fair to say if you're listening to this particular topic about aggression and dominance, you probably have some experience with it. So hopefully we've covered as much as we can in 30 plus minutes what it is, what it isn't, and what is is possible for the average person who's dedicated and committed to be able to accomplish because we have and we weren't always um, this skilled right so we started from beginning like most people research practice safety common sense um, learning about the breed learning about the dog and we were able to get these behaviors under control so that the dog doesn't have to be sent to a shelter has to be put down um, uh, has to be surrendered and whatnot so those are the things we're trying to avoid going back to the big picture of it so you can take it away brian if you want to wrap it up and Give the folks your info. Oh, I, yeah, I'm just looking at this. Um, you had sent me a page of a book. You texted it to me a couple of a uh, couple of days ago, and I was just looking looking that up. Sure. Um, and I thought, I, well, I, my apologies. I thought that was about aggression, but it was about uh, it was about. Um, well, no, it is talking about puppies and, and being dominant. Um, uh, but yet, it, you know, aggression aggression is is not something that most people should deal with because it can it can be pretty scary. It can be pretty in, injurious. Um, so if you think there's something going on with your with your dog that that actually is true aggression that 
you know, you don't know what triggered it, and it, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop, or he's doing, or he's doing damage to, uh, to people or other dogs. Um, yeah, please, please give us or, or, or someone, someone else, uh, else a call, because that's, uh, that's an issue that, um, that no one, no one should have to deal with. Certainly not a, not a lay person. Yeah, and I've always had the optimism to tell people to try it, but I think Brian, you're right. I think we just have to be a little bit more cautious. Because maybe I can try and I've tried before and had success, but maybe for some other person they try, they may get injured. So it may just not have the experience or the wherewithal or the physical capacity. Maybe they're, they have an injury. Maybe they're elderly, whatever. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that too. Yeah. Be careful. Call a professional. Uh, cause most people, I think if they're dealing with true aggression, the dog has bitten someone or some animal. Right. Already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so going back to one thing that you said earlier is, sure. People might not do it right simply because they don't, not because they don't have the knowledge, but because maybe they're not confident enough. And that's one of the things that we see most often, whether it's, it's aggression or something else. If people aren't confident, they're not going to um, communicate to their dog, I'm coming to work with you and I'm in charge. If that confidence isn't there, you know, with, with any, uh, any type of behavior, that really can, can kind of sabotage the, the exercise from the beginning and, and not uh, not set you up for for success. Um, yeah. And then the last thing you just said, Carlos, is is uh, the the dog may have already bit someone. I've I've sat on a couple of court cases as a uh, as an expert witness, um, yep. and that's not something that I would wish on anyone. Your dog a dog biting someone, a dog biting another dog, going being dragged to court, being in that court, hearing the testimony, seeing the pictures. That's really, really heartbreaking. I, I, you know, it's not something that, uh, that is enjoyable for, for anyone involved. But one of the things, one of the first things I do when people call me about that is go and evaluate the dog. And so far in the three and a half cases that I've sat on, um, the dogs, in my opinion, have not been aggressive. They've not, have not been true aggressive like we're, we're talking about. They've ended up using their teeth, but not for aggressive reasons or not, not out of, out of aggression. So, you know, it can be a fine line, but with enough practice, with enough, with enough skill and, and expertise, you can really start to understand the, bet- the difference between aggression and, and not aggression. Um, but we'll talk about more, uh, more about this in other podcasts because sure. it is a is it is a big and important subject. Yeah, we'll cover it uh, for sure because it 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 like you said it it does so uh, what's the word it permeate a lot of different topics uh, and uh, people will sometimes throw it in with dog walking, uh, rough housing, um, you know, a guest coming to the door, you know, so they throw it around and we'll try to make sure that, that we continue to. Uh, to hit home the message um, that if it's dominant, it's not aggression. And if it's aggression, it may not necessarily be aggression. And if it is, call Brian, you know. <laughs> so, so, all right. Um, Thanks for that. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Brian, Brian's website, gooddogworkshop.com, www.gooddogworkshop.com, has a ton of information, video, links, resources, uh, as well as his phone number, but his phone number is also available right here, right now, 703-489-1319, uh, and leave a message. If he's not available, he'll get back to you. Yeah, uh, and listeners, yeah. please feel free to uh, to go ahead and text your questions at, uh, yeah. at that number. Um, like we said earlier, a lot of a lot of things can be, we can coach you through them over the phone, so you may, may just need a consult. Um, either way, it's about you working with your dog, not 
you sending your dog off to someone or someone coming to work with just your dog and then you sit by and um, and not not be a part of the solution here. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man. Well, hey, thanks for your time again, Brian, and the listeners appreciate it. We'll see you guys for the next podcast. All right. I'll see you next time, Carlos. Uh, thanks, everyone. No problem. Thanks.